airing the Addisons. Well, let me say this as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. And I have a feeling that we're going to run out of time, as I often feel that we do. And so what I would like what I would like to do is to just jump right into um, what was on my mind okay. as we wrapped up the show yesterday. Yes. But then also, um, you alerted me to something early this morning and um, thought that I should go and check it out. It was a comment that was left on the Aaron the Addison's page. And then we were also yes. tagged in a comment that was written on the person's page who right. had who took issue with what we said. Right. In fact, three of our ministries were tagged in this post. So I thought that this was like a cry for response. Right. I thought this was like, <laughs> see me. Like. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. I mean, American Family Association was tagged in the post, American Family Radio, and Aaron the Addison's. And so I thought, okay, hold on. I, okay, I see it. <laughs> like, right, I, you right, know, right. We're, we're, we're going to respond. But and I thought it was, it was in just, our inbox. And Aaron it was in Addison's. our inbox and it was on the Aaron the Addison's page. Yes. That's right. I forgot about Everywhere. that one. <laughs> so it said to me that this is an extreme situation and you need to respond to me right now. Do not ignore me. Do not ignore me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think you felt the same sense of urgency. And so yeah. you messaged me this morning and you were, <laughs> you were like, hey, I think you need to check out um, this post that's on our page and, and see what's going on there. And so I did. And we're going to deal with that. I'm going to read to you the post. And um, I may or may not read to you the post that was on the person's page. I mean, again, that's their personal page. They can do whatever. I did respond there. And what I try to do is because we have a show page, I try to make sure that I mention if it's me or if it's Will who's responding to the comments. And I think people who know us know when it's one. (laughs) I think people know by now, you know, you're going to almost always be the brief one. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, <laughs> you're going to be the one who they say, what was the name of that show? You're just going to give them the name, possibly a date or something. And that's it. You know, I'm the one that's like, oh, yeah, thanks so much for watching, you know, listening, whatever. <laughs> um, and so I think people are learning that about us. But just to, you know, make sure that there's no confusion. I usually will, in parenthetical citation, put my name. Right. You know, so that people know. And I try to do the same thing, too. This is coming from me or it's coming from you. Right. Um, right. So, so anyway, so, but let me say this before I address the concern yesterday, yesterday we talked about Max Lucado as a guest on Jen Hatmaker's podcast, Mm -hmm. where he talked about homosexuality and homosexual marriage. Well, specifically, he talked about homosexual marriage as a controversy. That's the word that he used. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we were talking about this yesterday that this is not a controversy. This is not something that is a gray area in scripture. Now, one of the things I need to say and make sure to make a clear distinction about with regard to Aaron the Addison's program mm-hmm. on American Family Radio. We are unapologetically Christian. Amen. OK. And so <laughs> so we lead with that. Right. So our worldview is a biblical worldview. 
That means that all of our cultural engagement is going to be viewed through a biblical lens. Right. Now, that can be a problem for people because as our culture changes and as society, quote unquote, evolves, people develop different ways of adapting and viewing culture. The word of God does not evolve. Right. It does not change. (laughs) And it's amazing that it has been a mainstay for as long as it has been. (laughs) And so anyways. Under much attack. (laughs) Under much attack from within and without the church. Okay. On the outside of the church. So just know that when we're commenting on cultural events, Mm -hmm. you know, offering commentary, we are doing that standing on the word of God. Now, I understand. Please understand Mm -hmm. if a Christian says to you, you know, I used to think the same way that you think on these issues. But I have grown and I have seen that my former way of thinking was hatred. And so now I have changed. Right. So that that calls for examination, whereby you say to the person, "Okay, show me what you saw in Scripture that opened your eyes to previously misinterpreting Scripture. In other words, use the text to interpret the text. Mm -hmm. So if you have changed on your views regarding something that you once saw in Scripture and you don't see that anymore, which that happens. People go, right. Man, you know, I was misreading that. Right. And when I checked it against another text, I found that that was inaccurate, that my interpretation of that was flawed. OK, so we can use the Bible to understand the Bible. I recommend doing this. Actually, it's a safeguard for us of sorts. Mm-hmm. However, if you say, you know, I've changed just because culture has changed and I no longer see in Scripture what I want saw in Scripture because culture doesn't see it in Scripture. I'm sorry, you and I are not going <laughs> to, we're right. not going to agree on that. Okay. All. I find that very flimsy right. and I'm not going to agree right. with you on that. Okay. So I wanted, I'm going to touch on that in just okay. a minute. But before I do that, yes. what I want to do is I want to start with what was on my heart when we wrapped up the show yesterday. Okay. And when, when we left the studio, I wrote down on one of my pages, cause I wanted to remember to deal with this today. And this is what I wrote down. I wrote Eddie, Last caller today, compassion for homosexuals with real feelings. And I felt that there was a very sincere cry, um, so to speak, coming from Eddie. And I wanted to address that. And we didn't have time to really unpack a response to Eddie, because I think that what he was saying was, you know, there must be compassion and there must be love when we are dealing with real people who have real emotions and real feelings. And Eddie is really right. Okay, I don't I don't disagree with him on that at all. But I think what we cannot do is allow love to be some sort of code word for obscuring the truth. Mm -hmm. Right. It can't be a double meaning whereby you say, if I love people, then I don't tell them the truth or I keep it from them. So I agree with Eddie that there must be compassion and that there must be love extended. But and I don't think that Eddie was saying this and and I, I didn't gather this from his comments. But I would like to say for the sake of our Christian audience who's listening there is an attack on the truth of the word of God. Yeah. And many Christians have given up the fight. Many Christians have said, you know what? <laughs> we're going to take our Bible and we're going to clear out and go home. And uh, we're just going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to either let there be this, this view of Christians that they are hateful. Right. Or it's going to be a view of Christians that they are loving. And the truth that they tell is the truth that we've given them. Mm-hmm. Okay. That you can tell the truth as long as it's the truth that we approve of. Okay, Um, both of those are problematic. (laughs) Both of those are problematic. 
Mm-hmm. I want to say this to Eddie's point yesterday. You know, our our kids, we have been studying through the book of Acts with them. And um, and it's interesting because as you continue to go through the Bible and you read and you reread, the Lord by his Holy Spirit shows you things over and over and over again that are like, whoa, you, you're like, man, it's alive. The Amen. word of God is alive. You Amen. can read it for 20, 30 years and, still, and sit down. Yeah. It's still relevant. And yeah. still you see something that you didn't, you didn't see, see before. before. That's right. So there's a portion of scripture in Acts, in Acts chapter 14, where the Apostle Paul and Barnabas are at Lystra. And the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, <laughs> they the Lord used them use them to work a miracle where where there's a man who's like, you know, paralyzed or lame from birth, crippled from his birth. He had never walked and he was listening to Paul speak. And Paul looked over at him. The Bible tells us. And, and Paul saw that this man had faith to be healed, Mm -hmm. faith to be made well. The Bible says specifically. So in a loud voice, the Bible tells us in in Acts chapter 14, Paul said, stand up on your feet. And this man who was crippled (laughs) from birth stood up on his feet. He sprang up up on his feet. right? Right. And all and began walking Mm -hmm. and all of the crowds saw what Paul had done. Luke records in Acts. Okay, and these people in Lystra immediately begin worshiping Paul and Barnabas. Mm. They call them Zeus and Hermes. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they say that the gods have come down to us in the form of men. Okay, they immediately begin worshiping them. And what happens? Paul and Barnabas doesn't bear with them and say, okay, well, maybe just a little bit of worship because mm. you guys don't know any better. <laughs> okay, right. guys, but just not so loud. No, they don't do that. They don't do that. In fact, they use that very real moment where they are being worshiped as gods by men themselves being mere men. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens in verse 14 of chapter 14 in Acts. The Bible says, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul Heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God Mm. who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And then look at what they say. They say, in past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, Mm. yet He did not leave himself without witness for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Now, verse 18 says something very interesting here. My kids, our kids laughed at this after that big display, that big presentation from Paul and Barnabas. Mm -hmm. Verse 18 tells us that even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. In other words, the people were like, no, we're still going to worship you. We're still going to do this. Yeah, no, no, we're set on it, okay? We're we're here, all right? But here is my point. My point is this. This is a very real occurrence. It's happening in real time. Mm -hmm. And Paul and Barnabas do not find themselves scrambling, thinking, "Mm, what's the right tone of compassion to strike Mm. with them? Like, do we tell them that we're not gods? I mean, they they believe that we are gods. They believe. So I don't want to hurt them by keeping the truth from them. No, they use that as a starting point to say this is the reason we're here. That's it. This what you're doing right now is the reason that we're here. God calls for you to repent and to turn from these vain things. Now, look, I'm not under any delusion. What I'm saying right now does not make sense to anyone who has rejected the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I have got to tell you. 
that the Lord leaves a witness. He is the Holy Spirit mm. and he will confirm the truth. Christians are not at all compelled to tell lies about Amen. who God is Amen. in exchange for love. Amen. That is not what we Amen. are called to do. Now, to the person who was concerned about the advice that I offered one of our callers yesterday, I believe the caller's name was Stephanie. And I originally wanted to replay the call, but I don't think we have time going here to the break. We may have to go a little bit in the second segment, Will the Great, just, just to get all of this fleshed out here. The concern was that I advised a woman to break up her family, destroy her family over the question of so-called homosexual marriage. That is not at all what I advised. Now, it's easy to hear that if you have a special place in your understanding of sin and rebellion for homosexuality. What I said was, as a parent, we are tasked with protecting our children and making the best possible decisions as we see fit. In a list that I gave yesterday, what I said was, well, you know what? Look, I don't allow my kids to be around people who are drinking and cussing and smoking. That's just something I do not elect to do. Mm -hmm. And I said to the caller yesterday, that is a decision that you will have to make. Now, the person who protested and tagged us in all of these in these posts and, you know, was outraged over what we said yesterday failed to to recall that I began by asking a qualifying question. And here was the qualifying question. Mm -hmm. Number one, is this person a Christian? Right. That's very important. It's very important. Because we have a different set of rules for how we deal with professing believers who are in unrepentant sin versus people who are lost and struggling in darkness. Neither one of those means that we avoid the truth. Right. But one gives us very clear parameters. It falls. And I don't expect the world to get this, guys. But one of these actions falls in the realm that we call church discipline. Hmm. It is for the saving of their souls that we say we cannot affirm this sin and rebellion. We have to retreat. We have to pull away from you. Why? So that you understand how egregious your choice is as a professing believer for you to be engaged in unrepentant sin. It's church discipline. The aim is to eventually get where the Apostle Paul suggested that we get. Hey, restore them. Yeah. Take them back. Bring them back into fellowship. Now, this is wild right now because we have churches that have no discipline. People do whatever they think and feel. If it feels good, this must be God. So what I'm saying to you right now is revolutionary. But for Christians living in 21st century America, let me tell you something. We cannot augment the truth of the word of God. This is what we stand on. Mm -hmm. It's our faith and claim. And it sounds ridiculous to a dying world. But it is the same grace, the same truth that you were saved under. We'll grab the break. Aaron the Addisons, we'll be right. Brings joy in my sadness. Peace in the time of storm. Brings hope when I'm hopeless. Yeah. Protects me from all. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We're the Addisons. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and this is the Walls Group. All my, all my praise goes to you. 
Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and um, we're wrapping up this segment of the show here. It's kind of a recap of yesterday. We do this from time to time when we think that there's a pressing issue that needs to be publicly discussed because it will benefit all of our listeners. And so that's what we're doing. We're going to do that, and then we're going to move on and talk more about personhood and talk about the gains being made in Mississippi. We're going to go to Les Riley here in just a few minutes. But let me just wrap up this discussion here because the concern was from uh, a person who tuned in to listen yesterday and um, just to paraphrase, was quite upset that um, I would advise someone to to mother with caution if there was something, a situation or people that she didn't want her child to be around or that she had some concern with. Um, and, you know, I'm I want to say this. The the advice that I gave was my advice. Mm hmm. The person who called in to ask my opinion about, you know, what do I do? Do I bring my family around um, a same sex married couple? And I we disagree with this. They know what, what we believe, where we stand. Do I do this? That was my advice that you as the parent are the gatekeeper of those things that you do or do not want your kid exposed to. Mm -hmm. That is your choice. That is what I said. Now, the problem was that I didn't say, oh, you know, love the sin or hate the sin. And I think that was one of the cliches that was mentioned. I don't, I don't live my life by cliches. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible is not a, a collection of pithy that we just pull out of a hat. Yeah. It's not, we don't live our lives by cliches. Let me say this also for the Addison family. We do not allow people who are not married to each other to come and live and stay at our house. Right. Nope. <laughs> So, so we, what we discriminate against fornicators too. Do you want to call that hateful? That's our personal conviction. Now that may not be your conviction. You may say, well, I'm not, I mean, I'm not condoning it, but they need a place to live. And so I would let them, well, then that's you. That's you. But for me, what I'm going to do is live as consistently with my convictions as I know how to do. Mm -hmm. And this may not immediately be understood, but my hope is that it will eventually be respected. Have I upset some people in my own family because of the decisions that we have made that we do not allow our kids to participate in this or to see this or to watch this or to go there? And it is not limited to homosexuality. I don't know why we have made this like the one thing that people can't get over. If the person calling in yesterday had said, hey, you know, my daughter is living with her boyfriend. And I'm concerned about bringing my other kids around. If I had said to that person, no, if it's up to you, you, if you don't want your kids to think that that is a legitimate lifestyle, you are well within your right to keep your kids out of what would be affirmed fornication. I wouldn't have gotten a call. I yeah. wouldn't have gotten a message. Right. <laughs> but because we have been indoctrinated right. in our culture to believe that homosexuality has a special space. Mm -hmm. It gets to rewrite scripture. And we have been so re, just reworked over. We have lost our ability to discern. You, and, 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 and repeatedly, this person yesterday said that we're hateful. She told me today she's on the right side of history. And she hopes that I'll come over and join and get rid of my hate. What? Who do wow. I hate? <laughs> who do I hate? My question is this, if the Apostle Paul and Barnabas were able to stand up at Lystra and tell these people, we are not gods, God has left you a witness. My question is, in the United States of America, in 21st century America, is there a witness to people who are dead and dying? And is it the church? Mm. And if we can't stand as a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, what are we doing? 
We can shake our head all day. We can talk about, you know, the state of politics. We can talk about what's going on on social media, but I am talking about where are the faithful Christians? Where are the believers who are willing to lose their life for the cause of Christ? Truth is still truth. Right is still right. And it doesn't change because people's feelings change. That's right. That's right. So I am not going to be sideways bullied by a person who has evolved on truth because they felt that they could. This is this is not hate. This is taking a stand on the truth of the word of God. I was careful yesterday. This is what I laid out. I said, you know what? We could have a discussion around um, slavery. Let's have a discussion around that. Because there are some areas in the Bible where you go, whoa, is, is, is the Bible condoning and affirming slavery? You can, you can ask that question. So you have to give an apologetic for that. Give a defense for what the Bible is saying about that patriarchy. The role of women. But homosexuality is not one of those things. Not even close. Not by a mile. Not by an inch. So you can miss me by trying to call me hateful. You can miss me with that. I want to say this, and then we will go to less right. I want to play this clip. The person listening yesterday was upset because my advice, Miki's views and opinions expressed in this broadcast, okay? <laughs> person was upset with me because I said, as a parent, you have the responsibility to decide what your kid is and isn't exposed to. And I want to play this clip. I want you to hear, this is the so-called conservative drag queen who calls himself Kitty Demure saying that parents need to keep their kids away from drag queen story hour. It is a drag queen saying that parents need to keep their kids away from drag queen story hour. And why is he saying this? He's saying this is no place for kids. Listen, here we go. I have another message for heterosexual women, the ones who have children. I have no idea why you want drag queens to read books to your children. I have no idea. What, what has a drag queen ever done to make you have so much respect for them and admire them so much? Other than put on makeup and, and jump on the floor and writhe around and do sexual things on stage. I have absolutely no idea why you would want that to influence your child. Would you want a stripper or a porn star to influence your child? It, it makes no sense at all. A drag queen performs in a nightclub for adults. There is a lot of filth that goes on, a lot of sexual stuff that goes on. And backstage, there's a lot of nudity, sex, and drugs. Okay? So I don't think that this is a, a, an avenue you would want your child to explore. They could explore dressing up at home like we all did, like all gay boys did. We all dressed at home and we had a great time. We had a great time with our girlfriends putting on makeup, trying on clothes, things like that. But to actually get them involved in drag is extremely, extremely irresponsible on your part. And I understand you might want to look like you're with it, that you're cool, that you're woke, that you're not a Nazi, that you're not a homophobe. 
whatever, whatever it may be. But you can raise your child to be just a normal, regular, everyday child without including them in gay, sexual things. Hmm. I don't know how much more clear that can be. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that sums up. Let me, let me just say this here. Okay, <laughs> guys, I'm sorry. I really am on one today. L- let me say this. Let me, cause I'm sick of being told that I'm hateful because I believe what the word of God says. I am not easily manipulated and controlled by that. And I encourage Christians everywhere to not be. I'm sick of being pushed into a corner and told that you are not the type of citizen that we want freely moving about the country because you believe that what God said is true. So either we are going to stand up. And we are going to continue to declare that what God said is true and that it is good and that it is right. Or you are going to not only not only be an embarrassment to the faith, but you're going to lose the rights that you have in this country. You're going to lose the rights that you have in this country. Here you have a drag queen saying, no, don't bring your kids to this gay sexualized culture. So now to my friend who's listening, who would say, well, that's different. Drag queens are different. My question is. You are talking about a community. You're outraged because I said parents should choose wisely what they expose their kids to. Here's a drag queen saying the exact same thing. Where is the difference? Mm. Because it's the LGBTQ community. The Q is the queer. Do you understand? Can you define that for me? And it keeps expanding. Mm -hmm. Every five to ten years it expands. So where does it stop? What is hate today may not be hate tomorrow. What is exclusion today will not be tolerated tomorrow. We've been saying LGBT LGBT for a long time. But only recently now we see the manifestation of the T. And we're like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you know where our trajectory is pointing? It is pointing to the word of God being against the law to preach in this country. Mm. Oh, you... Conversion, anti-conversion therapy. So don't counsel anyone in the word of God. And you know, Christians become complicit in this. Why? Because love, because love, 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 because love. Love does not rejoice in wrong. And I'm going to tell you what is hateful. This is what is hateful. What is hateful is the number of Christians who read the word of God and who know what it says about those who live in rebellion against God, but they obscure it because they want to be well-liked and feel good about themselves. Let me tell you what I don't have. I don't have any heterosexual guilt. I don't have any black guilt. I don't have any female guilt. I don't need to be woke. So you're not going to get me mourning and accepting everything that raises its ugly head under the sun. I don't have those issues. I am a sinner. I deserve to be eternally judged because of that. Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for my sin. I accept it and I believe it. I believe that there is right and there is wrong. And I'm not going to submit myself to a culture with ever expanding definitions of what is right and what is wrong. We don't want to say that babies are murdered in this country. We call it abortion. It's an election. It's something you can just elect to do. You just, you just, you, you know, we, 
Maybe maybe we'll allow the baby to live. Maybe we won't. We're not in a good place, America. Not at all. <laughs> and not Christians all. are supposed to be holding the line. Yeah. But because we buy all the liberal narratives, enough is enough of this. I'm not I don't I don't have the guilt that you need me to have to believe that I'm hateful. So you're going to have to bark up another tree with that. I don't have that. I can I can <laughs> I give you a million of my sob stories. But I have seen the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. I know that he is real. I know that he changes the human heart. So it's hateful for people to believe this truth and to keep it from other people because you want to be well-liked. You are selfish. You are hateful. I hate to really switch like this and go to Les. I know Les is like, man, I'm coming into like a a dragon's fire, but... (laughs) Les Riley is the I think director. Think might be used to it. Uh, well, <laughs> Les Riley is the director of Personhood Mississippi. Les, thank you for joining us. I apologize. We went into your oh, segment. No, no problem, Mickey. I, I texted my wife and said Mickey's wound up. I might not get on until after the break. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I try. Look, I try. Look, all of it is still. It's still self-control. I, I still. I prepared for this. I'm. I'm measured here. This is not just. You know, but we have to we have to have a strong voice. Let's let me tell well, you something. Well, I, I think I think it's righteous anger. I think it's a legitimate thing to be incensed about. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. So, I, I appreciate yeah. that. And um, we can have a moment of prayer during the break. Um, <laughs> Les, we wanted to have you on because yeah. Will the Great and I have been talking about how our eyes have been open to something that we haven't seen. And we've been friends with you for a long time. And we've been talking about these issues for a long time. But right now, what I realize is that we've always kind of just been talking past each other. And when we've been talking about putting an end to abortion in America, Mm -hmm. we thought that a lot of the activist groups um, would all be on the same page. But what we are learning is that there is something totally different in regulating abortion, which is what a lot of activist groups want to do in this country, and abolishing abortion, which is what you have been crying out that we should be doing for a very long time. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, well. Thanks. First, thanks for having me on. And uh, and I and I think that you know that's a common thing, but to hear. But it, but it's, I'm also very encouraged because I hear a lot talk to a lot of people who are starting to to wake up to this truth. You know, and, and I and I think part of it is it's kind of a slap in the face the last year or two that that I, you know I, I don't know if you saw, but uh, but there was a story out this morning even that that Virginia is now moving not only to uh, to push their abortion laws even harder, but to repeal all the regulations that, mm. you know, pro-life has worked for years to get into place. Wow. Any restrictions or any regulations. Wow. And, and so it's it's almost like, um, you know, by taking a pragmatic long-term approach, we, you know, ha- Howard Phillips said, once you sacrifice the principle, you always lose the argument on the details. Mm. And, mm. and so, ba- so basically for years what we've been saying not with our mouths or even with our minds but with our actions is that you know these may be human beings but they're a different kind of human beings than you and I mm. because if, if, if you know if you plug in three-year-olds to any regulatory approach out there you see it's morally repugnant right yes yeah. you know if you, you you have to wait 24 hours before you can kill your three-year-old mm. You have to get parental consent or maybe a judge's permission before you can kill your three-year-old. 
Wow. But but beyond that, you know, we've basically been discipling the nation that we don't really think that these are human beings the right. same way you and I think. Are. And, and so we, you know... Um, hey, hey let's let let's, let's, let's stop is, stop here let's stop here and we're going to come back right after the break okay hold on one second we'll be right back America, America, God grace on thee. we've come to far been through too much why would we ever leave welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio I'm Miki and I'm Will and that's John Howard a song for the nation Sherry B is over in Studio CC and Les Riley who is the director of personhood personhood Mississippi is on the line with us and we are talking about the awakening that really needs to come to this country as it pertains to human life and how we have devalued human life. And we have basically been trained to devalue human life. And, you know, I have to say, I haven't seen it before as I see it now, Les. I just, you know, and it wasn't that I didn't want to see it. It was that I didn't understand the distinctions in the argument until we, we got this call. I mean, you know, we've been, we've been talking about this call. But I'm thinking if we have a heartbeat bill and if we have a, you know, at this point in pregnancy, changes because what we are on our way to is getting rid of baby murder in this country but as I see it now and boy it just seems to be so glaring now when you step back it seems that no we are making these incremental changes without any desire to abolish abortion in this country right yeah and what what I was what I was uh about to say before before we went to the break and uh um you know we, we can move forward from here but uh, I was about to quote scripture, so I always wanted God to speak instead of me. But uh, the, Ecclesiastes eight eleven says, "Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the heart of the sons of men among them is given fully to do more evil." Mm. And 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 I think you know basically, as I say, we we have discipled our culture. And what we're seeing is for a long time, you know, if you look at the history of social movements, you have people uh, attempt to, to make a bold stand, society's not ready for it, and then there's an effort to kind of make incremental sense. But at some point, you, you kind of reach a tipping point, and, and you're going to no longer waver between two opinions. Mm. It either is one thing or it's another. And what we're seeing in our culture is for a long time, abortion numbers are going down, but now, uh, well, first of all, I, I think that it's a little misleading because a lot of those abortion numbers that are going down has moved out of Planned Parenthood and into Walgreens. Mm. Uh, you know, there's a lot more chemical abortions, but but even the surgical abortions, if you'll notice, the last couple of years have started picking back up. Mm-hmm. In Mississippi, it went down, 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 and in 2018, it picked back up. And and it's not just the numbers, but it's also the fact that that. If you'll notice, the pro-abortion movement is much more emboldened. Yeah, you know, they'll flat out say, "Yeah, oh, we're yeah. killing the baby." Yeah, you know, they they have abortion parties. They they shout their abortions. They celebrate it, and it's because we have not spoken with a clear trumpet. We have not declared the law and gospel of God as it applies so clearly to this issue 
and we taught and discipled our culture. But but even within our own movement, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned the heartbeat bill. Let let's take the let's take the twenty week ban. Let's just use that for example. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying with the twenty week ban is that at hundred and forty days past gestation, assuming you can define that. That's a human being worthy of protection. At 139 days and 23 hours and however many minutes, what is it? <laughs> and why is it not worthy of protection at that moment and is it the next? Yeah. See, mm-hmm. the, the issue is this is either a human being or it isn't. Right. And God calls us to a clear standard. And, and I think God blesses us when we stand up for a clear standard. And I think when we when we try to be pragmatic, he says, "Okay, you know, if you want to take Planned Parenthood on using their schemes, their their approach, their pragmatism, you know, go ahead, knock yourself out." Mm. But I, I think it, I think the evidence is there that it's been a colossal failure, and tens of millions of children have died because of it. And it seems mm. and it seems like uh, we we as as the church have have even given over that fight to mainly uh, politicians. And that's, that's correct. And, and, and I would think now the church has to grapple with that and say, OK, this is a fight that we have to take on. And I think if we're going to send politicians to D.C. or wherever, they have to be asked the question, are they are they abolitionists or are they just simply pro-lifers that want to keep the same thing going over and over and over again? Hmm. What do you think about that? that? that that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and, and I and I think you know, and I think we have to we have to really wrestle with some things we need to repent of in our own lives and our own churches. Yeah, the way we view children, the way mm-hmm. you yeah. know. I mean, I I was talking with one of our our state city advocates and and uh, leaders, and and we were discussing, you know, okay, well, we've got to get the chemical abortifacients deal with chemical abortifacients if we're truly going to be a safe city for the seaboard. Mm. You know, how do we approach that? And I said, well, you know, the first thing is maybe get the people in the churches to get taken. Mm, yeah. Oh, come on. You're right. Come on. You're right. You're right. Oh, my goodness. You know, and, 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 I'll, and I'll go a little bit further than that, Les, you know, because we, we've been talking about this all month long and we want to continue. I don't think that we should just, you know, relegate the discussion of right. human life and the fact that it is slaughtered in this country to one month a year. But let's go even a step further with with children and the sentiment that we have for children within the Lord's church. I mean, forget about those who are in the womb. I mean, those who are walking around when people announce that they're having kids, there is this like, Oh, well, better you than me. It's, we just, we don't see the value of children the way the Bible lays out for us. Children are to be valued. How do we get that back in the church? Well, well, I mean, I, I think it just takes an entire entire reorienting, and you know, it, it starts with the way we think about God, mm-hmm. and and then it moves on to you know, what do we what do we consider blessing? You know, the Bible tells us that children are a blessing and dead is a curse, mm-hmm. and yet we apply for curses and reject blessings. <laughs> wow! You know, wow. I mean, you know ima- imagine, and, and you know, I mean, we don't want to take on like a hyper legalistic approach that everybody has to have you know, a dozen kids like I do, you know, to be godly. I, mm-hmm. You know, I, right. I, don't, I don't mean that, but, but we, need to, we need to welcome children as a blessing, and, and not just children that, are, that, that the Lord brings by birth. You know, Mississippi has, you know, 3,000 churches, and we've got 5,000 children in foster care. Mm-hmm. That's, that's unconscionable. Wow. You know, and, yeah. and you know, if, if the Lord was, 
you know, we say we all say, you know, just flippantly that children are the greatest gift God gives you. Children are worth more than money. Children are worth more than things. But if but if God was giving you gold pieces, <laughs> when would you close your hands and say that's enough? Right. That's right. <laughs> You're right about that. That's right. And you would never look at another person and say, better you than me. No, you'd be saying, wait a minute, Lord, have you forgotten about me? Like, you yeah. wouldn't look at a person going, do you know how that happens? Well, we got remedies for that. And things like the, the ridiculous well, things that well, we say. Well, you know, my wife and I like to joke when people say, uh, you know, you know what causes that? We say, well, we've got it narrowed down to a couple of things. We're not giving any of them up. <laughs> Amen. Les, I have a question for you. And this is a question that I asked um, one of our guests, I guess, earlier this week or maybe last week. No, it was earlier this week. And uh, and I don't know that I've I've heard a sufficient answer. And so I just would like to pick your brain on this and, and see what how you would respond. So it, back to the point that you made when you quoted from Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verse 11, and you read that because um, because the sentence against sin or the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. So what is different with abortion um, versus slavery in this country? Because you, you have over 200 years of slavery. We see slavery abolished. We've got less than 50 years of what we call legalized abortion. We know it violates God's law, but we call it legalized abortion. Why does it seem more insurmountable than abolishing slavery? What is the difference? Well, well, I think I think part of it is that is um, you know the, the the slavery issue was even though it was a it was a, a sin that almost all parts of society were impacted by, and almost the entire economy was impacted by, it, it, was, not, it was not something that everybody owned slaves. You know, mm-hmm. there was a small, smaller percentage of people that owned slaves than there were. Um, and, and then secondly, you know, slavery was something you could see. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, think, I think I've read the statistics somewhere between 35 and 45 percent of women between, you know, in childbearing years have had at least one abortion. Mm. And, and so I think that it, I think that it impacts so many more people, and it's so, so much more hidden. You know, so, so I see every that. family, every church has been impacted by this, and it's going to take repentance on a massive scale. But it's also tied to, um, you know, the, the way. You know, it, it's it's tied to our obsession with sexuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you want you know you want to you want to get rid of abortion. Well, first thing, quit looking at porn. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want to get rid of human trafficking, and it's all linked together. Yep, but, that's right. But you know, and and I think it's it's just so much easier um, to dehumanize somebody that is tiny that you can't see that you can't hear. Yes. Mm. Wow. Wow. Hey, Les, I, I wanted to ask you if you can tell us about the uh, safe cities or the sanctuary cities for the un- yes. unborn and and uh, how that's going in Mississippi and other places and uh, and people who want more information, how can they get that information? Yeah. Um, well, I'm. Uh, uh, you can go to um, you can go to you you can go to safecitypearl.com, dot com, which is one of our affiliates and. They are one of the one of the organizations doing it, um, and and 
and kind of see what the model looks like. Or you can go to personhoodms.com or mm-hmm. just go to Personhood MS's Facebook page and send me a message and it will tell, me, tell you more about it. Mm-hmm. But basically what, what the Safe City Movement is, is basically stepping back and saying, you know, we're no longer going to work for the federal government. We're no longer going to wait for the Supreme Court. We're no longer going to wait until we've raised you know, $100 million and elected however many politicians that we allegedly have to end abortion. But we're going to recognize the person that are the unborn in our town. Mm-hmm. We're going to stop abortion in our county. We're going to engage the church to care for the widow and orphan in our town. We're going to, we're going to equip people in our backyard to really value life and, and look at all human life as equally created in the likeness and image of God and worthy of protection. And then once we establish those truths and once we establish that grassroots support, then we're going to require our state and local officials to do their duty as lesser magistrates, interpose on behalf of the unborn, mm-hmm. and tell the federal government and these out-of-control judges with their illegal, unconstitutional decisions mm-hmm. that not in our town. Yeah. You know, you can, you know, and I, and I think it's just, just kind of reorienting and saying, you know, no longer making excuses, but with God, all things are possible. You know, mm-hmm. co- coming, at, coming out of Babylon so that we will not be judged for her sin. Mm. Let me ask you, you so, know, so, so, so for someone who's listening and say, well, we don't have an abortion clinic in our city or in our town. Is this still a productive thing uh, to do? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, I think if you've got a surgical abortion clinic in your town, um, the, the thing to do is for the church to get out in the street and get in there and preach the gospel and reach out to these women mm-hmm. and and de- demonstrate the power of God against the forces of evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, you know, every city in America is touched by this. Mm-hmm. Every city mm-hmm. in America should be targeted for abortion. And so, it, you know, it, it's kind of a way to take a stand Number one, to make sure nobody ever opens an abortion clinic in your country, in your city, mm-hmm. but also to begin saying, you know, th- this is a this is a sin that we as a city, we as a local church own, mm. and we are going to deal with it at the local level. We're going to start making a statement that we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ on this issue. Mm-hmm. We stand for truth. We stand for righteousness, and and you, you build that grassroots support in the political arena, and, and look, God is perfectly capable mm-hmm. of overcoming empires, of overcoming, you know, the big media that we're so scared of. That, that is, God is perfectly capable of handling that. Yeah. Amen. He wants faithfulness to us. Amen. Amen. Les Riley, thank you so much for joining us. I really do appreciate it. You know, the thing that just keeps coming to my mind and, and you kind of even made this point I'm when I'm asking about the difference, how do we, you know, how do we understand why it's so insurmountable when we talk about abortion versus slavery? One of the points that you made and that these little people cannot speak for themselves. And Will, it's a, it's a point that you also recently made at our fellowship, mm-hmm. how, you know, you could have the slaves, you could, you know, um, Henry Ward Beecher could parade a slave up onto the pulpit and say, how much will you give for this slave's freedom? Yeah. And we don't have these little babies, you know, so we've got to speak for them. We have got to speak up for these little people. By the end of the day today, our country will experience the equivalent of another 9-11. Hmm. 
Almost 3,000 people died in 9-11. And by the end of the day today, about 3,000 babies will be murdered in this country. That has got to jolt us. Yeah. That has got to affect us. That has got to grip our heart. If the Christians will not be gripped by this, then no one will be gripped by this. Yeah. We've got to speak up for these innocent babies. We've got to do all that we can to protect their little lives. Amen. All right. We are out of time. I, I really want to thank Les Riley for being so patient yes, with me. And Will, thank you also for being patient with me. I appreciate it. We'll be back with our listeners tomorrow. Until then, Lord willing. God bless.